0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We will start the presentation in about one minute. Hello, everyone. Um, Thank you for joining us. We will start the presentation in about 30 seconds. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Safety and Health webcast, Future-Proofing Health and Safety, How ISO 45001, 45003, and 4505 help you adapt to a changing world, presented by Intellects. This is Alan Ferguson, Associate Editor at Safety and Health Magazine. I'll moderate today's presentation. First, we'd like to thank you all for joining us, and on behalf of the National Safety Council, whose employees are currently working away from the office, we hope that you, your loved ones, and all the people in your lives are remaining safe and healthy wherever they are. We'll start this presentation in a couple minutes, but first, there are some housekeeping items. As a disclaimer, the views of today's speakers and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise product or publication does not mean the Council of the Magazine endorses those items. After today's presentation, we'll conduct a question and answer session with our speakers. To ask a question, click the Q&A button at the bottom of the screen, type your question, and click the send button. Please feel free to ask your question anytime during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the Q&A to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible. We might not get to every question. The good news is that any unanswered questions will be forwarded to today's sponsor. After this presentation, you'll we'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey, and I'll tell you more about that a little later. This webcast will be archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, please go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com/events. With that, let's introduce our speakers. Sally Swingewood is BSI's lead standards development manager for business improvement and OHS management. She's responsible for working with national and international experts to develop documents that help organizations of all types improve the way they operate and better protect workers. Sally's the manager of the ISO technical committee responsible for the world's first international standard on OHS safety management ISO 45001 and has been active and actively involved in the development of ISO 45003 guidance on psychological health and safety at work, which is the first globally agreed standard of its type. Martin Cottam is an engineering risk management specialist who began his career in the nuclear industry for joining Lloyd's Register. While with Lloyd's Register for more than 30 years, he undertook risk assessment and safety management projects across many major, major hazard industries and held a variety of roles spending the last six years as a group technical assurance and quality director with the overall responsibility for quality management and technical governance. A member of BSI's Management Systems Expert Group, Martin has contributed to the development of several OHS standards, including OHSAS 18001 and the ISO 55000 series on asset management. He led the UK delegation throughout the development of the ISO 45001 and now chairs the ISO Technical Committee for OHS Management, ISO TC 283. Graham Freeman is a content writer and editor at Intellect Technologies ULC. He has written extensively on topics such as quality, health and sa- quality, health and safety, environmental sustainability and knowledge organization. Graham also works and teaches as a technical writer in Toronto. Again, we'd like to thank you all for tuning into this presentation. Sally, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away.
1: Thank you very much, Alan. It's good to be here. Um, First of all, I'm just going to have a look with you at our agenda for Martin and I at least. Graham has his own agenda. We're going to talk to you initially about the committee itself and what we do and the standards that we publish and then we're going to talk more generally about how to build an effective health and safety management system for your organisation that works both today and for tomorrow and we'll look at the key features of three of our biggest standards which Alan has already mentioned ISO 45001, ISO 45003 and ISO PAS 45004. So Martin if you'd like to tell us a bit more about the committee.
2: Yes, thank you, Sally, and hello, everyone. It's great to have this opportunity to uh, present to you today. Um, ISO Technical Committee 283 was formed in 2018 following the publication of ISO 45001. So that original baseline standard about which we'll be talking shortly was in fact written by a project committee with the same number, uh, pc 283 uh, over the period from 2013 to 2018. Uh, that committee was then disbanded when its role was uh, complete with the publication of ISO 45001. And ISO established a permanent technical committee with a wider remit, um, namely to develop standards and guidance uh, applicable to organizations of all sizes. Uh, applicable across sectors Um, and with a a, a wider brief covering the whole of uh, OH&S management. Um, So that committee is now in its uh, third year, I guess, of of, of existence. Um, As the map illustrates in the bottom left of the slide, we've uh, now reached the milestone quite recently of having 100 countries involved in the work of the committee. Uh, And alongside those uh, 100 uh, countries, we also have around 10 international liaison organizations who are involved in our work. Um, IOSH, uh, the Institute of Occupational Safety and Health being one of those, um, but also uh, representatives of uh, employers' organizations and employees' uh, bodies are also among those liaisons and we have liaisons with quite a large number of other ISO management system committees. Now, up in the top right of the slide, you'll see reference to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals uh, with which ISO very much uh, associates its activities. And for us as a committee, Uh, two of those Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, are particularly relevant. Uh, They are uh, number three, good health and well-being, and number eight, uh, decent work and economic growth. And then moving to the bottom right of the screen, here is a, a distant memory now for us. This is a picture of the last time our committee was physically together for a meeting. Um, This, in fact, was in the autumn of 2019 in Kigali, Rwanda, where we had, uh, as you can see, uh, a considerable number of delegates. We must have been pushing up towards 100 uh, participants there for that meeting, and a great opportunity for the committee to engage with local stakeholders and learn something of the uh, challenges of uh, occupational health and safety across uh, particularly the African countries who were very well represented at that meeting. And we miss that opportunity for outreach and engagement with stakeholders now because uh, ever since that time, of course, our committee has been working completely virtually. Uh, And I think it's a great achievement from our point of view to have kept our work programme on track, indeed we've gone a bit beyond that by producing uh, a deliverable that wasn't in our original plan and That's that's PAS 45005, which we'll talk about in a little while. Uh, but it's all done with virtual working and that does bring its challenges as the map will show you because we do have participants, whenever we schedule a meeting, we are trying to accommodate participants in pretty much every time zone on the planet. So there's a lot of dedication on the part of the uh, experts who participate in putting up with some fairly antisocial meeting times uh, on occasions. So that's just a quick flavor of uh, who these people are who write the standards or who participate in the meetings. I probably should make the point, it's important to say that in almost all the participating member countries, there is a mirror committee, which may number Tens of people, certainly in the US, it's many tens, in the UK, it's several tens of people uh, representing a wide range of stakeholders. And of course, that's the strength of the ISO network and process is the outreach and the extent of stakeholder participation, which ultimately, of course, culminates in opportunities for public consultation and public input in the development of the documents. So We've talked about the documents and the deliverables, so I'll hand back to Sally and she'll tell you a little more about what our committee has produced uh, as documents since its inception.
1: Thank you, Martin. So you'll be able to see on the screen, this is our full list of documents to date. ISO 45001, as previously mentioned, was our first and overarching document, which we published in 2018. That was followed up by a development of a handbook for small organisations on how to use ISO 45001. We deemed that was a really important project to develop very quickly because we're aware that smaller organisations sometimes find standards difficult. The language can be unfamiliar and the ideas in it can be written in such a way that they seem very complex when actually the underlining thinking is often not so complex, it's just understanding how it works in your context. So that's the handbook. ISO 45002 will be the official formal implementation standard that is well underway now and will go out for public consultation this autumn, so please do get in touch with your standards body, contribute to that, read it, comment on it, tell us if you think some parts aren't clear enough or if you would like further explanation in certain places, you can help shape these standards through the consultation processes. ISO 45003, which we will talk about in some depth in a little while, Psychological Health and Safety in the Workplace, another guidance document on a particular aspect of health and safety, and that has just published a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I'm very happy to say it is free to read on the ISO website, so if you haven't seen it yet, please do go and take a look. We're just beginning work on ISO 45004 on the difficult but really important area of performance evaluation. Um, There are some parts of this that we are historically quite good at, And other parts that we are not so good at. So it's great that as a global community, we're coming together to share experience, knowledge, best practices, so that we can put something out there that any organisation can use to evaluate how well they're doing and how they can drive improvements. Martin mentioned previously ISOPAS 45005 the one piece of work that absolutely wasn't on our radar when we last met in 2019 and um, when we none of us knew that we had a pandemic coming um, but given the challenges that all of us have faced over the last 18 months or so we thought it was really important to help Organisations around the world, workers around the world, to have the best possible best practice guidelines to help them work safely. Many of our organisations have shut down entirely, of course, initially or even for extended periods of time. But many, many millions of people have had to adapt to working in these difficult circumstances, which keep changing, and 45,005 helps to do that. And again, this is a free to read standard, so please don't think you have to pay for it. You can go and read it and get some good advice from that. The final one on our list, ISO 45006, has evolved from that work on 45005 to an extent. Um, Whereas 45005 is very COVID-19 specific, 45006 is going to look at the broader picture preventing and managing infectious diseases at work. We often, um, every year, most of us have to put up with the flu season. Many people go off sick, and there are all sorts of other very common infectious diseases that do disrupt our work and do affect a lot of workers. For example, um, stomach upsets, that kind of thing. So this document is aiming to provide guidance to organizations on how to manage both the very common infectious diseases, but also those rarer ones like COVID-19 that come up occasionally. But if we put best practice in, we should be able to manage more effectively. Martin, would you like to initiate our first poll of the day? We'd like some feedback from you, please.
2: Yes, thank you, Sally. So uh, would you... Care to share with us, please, uh, your uh, situation in terms of how your organization's currently working? I mentioned that our committee is now fully remote in its work, but of course, a lot of organizations uh, are affected by a need to work partly remotely. Um, But it's a constantly changing situation. It's uh, interesting, I think, to see what the situation is amongst the audience uh, here today. Today. So we'll just give that a couple of seconds and we should be able to show you the results. And there they are on screen. And interesting to see that the blended approach of partly on-site and partly remote is now over 50%, getting up towards 60% of people, but still quite a few people um, fully remote uh, and an equal number who are now pretty much fully on-site. So that's an interesting uh, variety of contexts in which to manage OHS for sure. So thank you for that. And uh, let me now talk a little bit about the um, ISO 45001 standard, uh, which is really the overarching framework, uh, which uh, th- through of the 45,001 uh, 45,000 series of standards, and it's a framework through which to manage OHS with a view to achieving the OHS outcomes that the organisation itself specifies and decides that it's uh, aspiring to achieve. Um, It's a set of requirements um, in format, very similar to other management system standards with which I'm sure many of you are familiar, such as ISO 9001 for quality or 14001 for environment. Um, That similarity of structure is by intent because uh, ISO has put in place a, a common structure and framework often referred to as Annex SL. Uh, for all its management system standards to to help uh, users see the similarities uh, and differences more clearly between those standards by by, uh, aligning them around a common contents list and some common text. And the overall structure of the standard is illustrated by the diagram uh, here on on the slide. Uh, As you can see from the sort of circular element in the center, it's really all based around or can be represented as a plan do check act or PDCA uh, cycle, but with uh, leadership and worker participation uh, very much at the heart of it. And that is perhaps a distinctive feature for ISO 45001 compared to some other management system standards, including those I mentioned earlier in that certainly worker participation is much more strongly emphasized in ISO 45001 and I think it's fair to say also there's rather more said about the importance of leadership as well. Perhaps the other thing I would highlight on this diagram are the two arrows um, and the text right at the top of the blue box and that is the the references to external and internal issues, i.e. what the organisation itself is like and the environment in which it's operating uh, and the uh, needs and expectations of of interested parties. I think that's a key uh, indicator that tells us that um, that what ISO 45001 is looking for and encouraging is management systems which are customised to suit the organisation and its circumstances. So it's not a cookie cutter approach. It's very much about the organization tailoring the management system to reflect its own circumstances. And in that respect, it's also really about uh, developing capability within the organization to address issues and risks and opportunities that emerge. There's been quite a lot of discussion, as I'm sure you can imagine, in the light of the pandemic, around questions about, well, how many organisations had a global pandemic on their risk register or had prepared for it in OHS terms? But I think in some ways that's somewhat missing the point. Uh, And that's, I think, most easily seen when you think about emergency planning, which we're all familiar with and which is a a common element within um, most management system frameworks, almost no real life emergency plays out like the one for which you developed the plan. And in some ways, that's not the point. It's the fact that you've set up the structure, assigned roles and responsibilities, done drills and practices for a variety of scenarios, which prepares you to be able to deal with a scenario which emerges even though it isn't identical to the one for which you prepared. And I think that's really a key thing to understand about what management systems are trying to help organisations to do. It's to develop the capability to deal with um, risks and situations that that emerge. And so when we look at the slide and see there um, a list of some of the things which, in fact, our committee has been looking at as potentially emerging issues uh, and changing risks um, as we start to consider a possible uh, revision to ISO 45001. We're reminded by these things that, that, you know, the world of work is changing. It's probably changed faster in the last 12 months than than ever before, but it will continue to change um, due to some of the factors listed here and, and some others. And an organizational management system framework is is there to help equip the organization to to deal with that. Now, having mentioned the revision of ISO 45001, I'll just say a little bit more so as not to frighten you into thinking that a new version is due next week. Um, Far from it, we are just in the early stages of considering the possible timeline for a revision it requires a ballot of national standards bodies, which will probably take place later this year, but the development trajectory for standards is, is relatively long and there's no urgent need to revise a framework which can perfectly well um, accommodate the current world of work. But it's possible that we will embark on the revision to the standard, which would lead to the publication of a revision probably around about 2025. So again... Lots of opportunities to be involved in that process uh, as and when it kicks off, or indeed to engage with the committee as we consider what are those emerging issues for which we need to make sure that the standard is is uh, future proofed. So with that, I'll hand back to you, Sally, and we'll begin a look, I think, at ISO forty five thousand and three.
1: Thank you, Martin. Just before we uh, go on, I just wanted to say we will be putting out a new survey to try and get some user feedback very shortly. So please, if you see that on um, social media, or perhaps if we can share it um, in the aftermath of this event, um, we'd really appreciate your input. We need to know what challenges you're facing, what you think we should do, what you think is important. So please do get involved. Okay, so let's have an initial look at ISO 45003 about psychological health and safety in the workplace, and which also serves to promote wellbeing in the workplace, which has become, as I'm sure you're aware, a very hot topic, um, particularly in the last year. But even before that, wellbeing was being talked about much more, and this standard does discuss wellbeing. It's the first international standard on this issue, Canada of course has had um, a very well established standard in this space already, which um, was part of our core documents when we began work under a Canadian convener. And the UK also had a standard in this space, but this one really brings together the knowledge and expertise of many countries and many practitioners, and also builds on user experience. It provides practical guidance, on how to identify and manage the risks and gives lots and lots of examples of actions you can take, signs, that kind of thing that you should look out for. It's very deliberately written for non-experts. We are aware that many organisations don't have in-house expertise in this area, but every organisation has to tackle this area of health and safety. It's not a specific topic only confined to one sector or one type of work it affects everybody. So this standard is very much there for anybody to use and that could be HR professionals or line managers as well as health and safety professionals. It will speak to all of them and it is understandable. It also uses the same structure that Martin was talking about a minute ago which is used for all the management system standards and ISO 45001. So, it is designed so you can integrate management of psychological health properly into your overarching health and safety management system. But it's also useful if you haven't yet got that in place or you don't use a formal system at the moment for health and safety management. Either way, 45003 can offer some really practical advice. So before we go any further, can I ask, oh, it's already there, you're ahead of me. If you could please uh, give us an indication of how you feel your organisation currently acknowledges psychological health and wellbeing. thank you all for sharing and okay so that's interesting it's nice to see that 24% believe it is fully being addressed acknowledged and actions being taken Um, but also encouraging to see 47% do think their organisation acknowledges it's an issue that's a very good starting point Um, we still have work to do if 29% of organisations are not recognising it as a priority. So hopefully some of you today will be able to have a look at this standard and help drive that conversation forward to help all of the workers in your organisation. So this standard helps us identify how psychosocial risks arise. And there's three main areas where risks come from, how work is organised, social factors at work, the work environment itself. So there's lots of examples of all three of those in the standard and we'll look at some of them in a moment. It also includes examples of how negative impacts can be spotted, what are the signs that somebody is not in a good place psychologically, that something may be affecting them. And there are, of course, practical examples of what you can do. To mitigate the risks in the first place or eliminate them, ideally, but also how to go about helping people back to work, that kind of thing. So, Martin, do you want to explain to people why psychological health is seen as such an issue for organisations?
2: Yes, certainly, Salmi, but I'll do so briefly because, you know, I think many people will recognise this so immediately. Um, that it really has been a topic which organisations and indeed to a certain extent individuals have been a bit uh, cautious about trying to tackle. It's partly about people feeling that a lack of confidence about whether they really understand the issues, the terminology can be a bit off-putting, and organisations I think wonder where to start, do they have the expertise, Um, how do we deal for example with impacts Brought into the workplace from people's uh, private lives, uh, and obviously any guidance and, and help is going to be useful in that context. I think the reality is, of course, also that many managers will have encountered and addressed some of these issues in their um, professional career. I think where this standard adds real value is that it provides guidance and a very much a structured framework to work with. So those who do have experience will be able to relate it to that framework and use the framework more fully as a result. Anything you would want to add to that, uh, Sally? I suppose the taboo issue is perhaps another one, isn't it? But perhaps the pandemic has, has helped us overcome what was traditionally a bit of a taboo on this topic.
1: That's right, though I think we still have some way to go on tackling stigma around it. Um, I think people, workers and organisations, managers, for example, are still much more comfortable talking about physical ill health than mental ill health. Um, And there is still something of a reluctance in some organisations to acknowledge that actually the way the workplace is set up and jobs are set up, activities are set up, are the contributors to the issues. That it isn't actually down to the individual. It's about the management of the work, the roles, that kind of thing that are causing a lot of the issues that they then have to deal with. So... I understand why there has been a reluctance and a lack of understanding, um, and but this is where we have to change the conversation. We have to change that reluctance, as you say, to talk about it, and that is beginning to shift because of the pandemic. There has been a big movement of it's n- it's okay to not be okay and that's a brilliant step forward but now we actually have to talk about well why are you not okay and what can we do about it and that's the role of this standard.
2: Yeah so on the next uh, couple of slides we just briefly want to share with you some of the um, key psychosocial risks that have tended to be experienced uh, by workers during the pandemic. And you'll see on the slide, there's rather a lot of words, but it includes, um, extracted from uh, the standard, some of the uh, hints and tips around the approaches which organizations can take to to address some of those. Um, I'll just perhaps speak to a couple of examples. And Sally, you might like to come in as well on these. But I think workload is probably the one that where we automatically assume that workload means overload, but actually people being underloaded can also cause uh, a lot of stress and anxiety for people and feel they feel underutilized. So it can be either way. And in fact, the pandemic, I think, has produced both situations uh, for for different individuals. Um, And of course, there's also challenges around the intensity of work itself, in the switch to virtual, um, those natural breaks in the day, which, which helped people perhaps to uh, to manage the, their their well-being, so easily disappear once you've done the set of headphones and parked yourself in a chair and got eight hours of solid Zoom meetings to, to attend. So workload, working hours, work pace uh, are, are all uh, factors in this, but perhaps You know, I think Sally, you perhaps touched on it earlier, but role ambiguity can be particularly um, difficult for people. And again, there have been changes of role perhaps in the pandemic where people have had to adjust to a new role. They've had to take up that new role while working remotely and perhaps not with the support that they needed. And that can be very, very difficult for people.
1: Absolutely. And the pandemic has also, of course, changed the way we work we've been expected to work in different ways. And that can lead to a lot of psychological ill health. If you're not clear about it, if you're not sure what you should or shouldn't be doing or what you are allowed to do or what you're not allowed to do. So this really comes back to um, communication, how important communication is. Sometimes it's that simple to reduce somebody's stress levels. Be really clear. Answer questions, invite questions, check in with people to see if they're comfortable knowing what they should be doing, when they should be working or not working, if they are able to change deadlines because they have different things going on. All that kind of thing, often very subtle adjustments, nothing particularly huge, can have a really big impact on how people are managing Lack of control is one of the other real ones. It's the bottom of the slide. And of course, throughout the pandemic, none of us has had a great deal of control. A lot of things have been done to us by um, our government, by just the situation we're in. And we've also been through massive changes very, very quickly. There hasn't been a lot of time to adjust or Process them as individuals. And and this can really have an effect on our psychological health and well-being. So allowing workers to talk about what makes them anxious, to share experience and work together to find solutions at work and even in social contexts, that will really help.
2: And I think that comes out right at the top of this uh, next slide, doesn't it, where we make the reference to social support, and I think so many of us will have really appreciated in a very different way as a result of the experience of the last 12 months, you know, what an important element of work, the social uh, element is, and a lot of people have, have experienced most of that social element being taken away from them. Uh, and, you know, that's really changed the working environment for, for many people. And, you know, again, we remember it's easier for established teams perhaps then to adapt to that situation and to continue to function with a degree of social engagement because they're people who already know each other and engage together. But, you know, people changing roles, new hires are coming in then to really quite a difficult environment to from which to derive um, that, that social uh, content of work. Uh, and I think, you know, you look at the list here, it becomes very clear how interrelated all these questions uh, and these points are. You know, the job insecurity may well be caused by the underwork that we mentioned on the previous slide, so a lot of these um, factors can be uh, inter- interrelated. And you know, if you're sitting alone, working from home in a not very satisfactory working environment, it, you know, then you may well have increased um, fears for you know, uh, may feel the lack of social support more acutely, and that may fuel a greater sense of job insecurity, for example.
1: Yeah, and I think it's very important, Martin, to um, not get complacent at this moment. You know, we've just seen in that first poll that over 50% are now into a hybrid space of working. But that change from purely remote working for many people to now partly being expected to be on site, or those people who've been on site the whole time suddenly dealing with people who weren't on site before, is going to cause issues too. People have social anxiety about going back into the workplace, about mixing with other people, about traveling on mass transit, for example. So although these are listed as psychosocial risks during the pandemic, you really do need to read it as during and after the pandemic. Our um, work-home interface is never going to be quite the same again. Things are not going to go back to the way they were in 2019 and before that. We are looking at a new landscape for the work, and that is going to have an impact on our psychological health and well-being.
2: And I think it's going to lead individuals to expect organisations to uh, address their um, psychological health and well-being on a continuing basis. They won't expect that to be switched off once the pandemic is over. Um, You know, I think the the dial has shifted, uh, you know, irreparably as it were.
1: Absolutely, people have different expectations now. Um, Many, many people have really re-evaluated what's important in life in the last 18 months. Um, You know, doing 12 hour days, six days a week for an organization that perhaps doesn't really value you as much as you thought they did um, prior to pandemic, or you've seen loved ones die, colleagues die because of this illness. We are all thinking about what's important to us and that is going to reflect back into the world of work. We are going to ask our organizations to look after us better we are going to ask our organisations to listen to us when we have an issue and we won't accept not being listened to in the same way that perhaps we were before.
2: Indeed and of course that's a reminder also that the pandemic is is not yet behind us so maybe we should move on and
1: uh,
2: share some of the thinking about uh, ISO 45005.
1: Absolutely. This is another generic document suitable for any organisation, doesn't matter where you are or what you do or how big you are. Even if you only have three employees, it is still applicable to you. And it's developed to reflect good practice from all sorts of trusted sources across the world. It goes above individual government or regional guidance to share what works from the many, many people who contributed to it. And again, as mentioned before, it is free to read. So do you wanna have a look at some of the key considerations in the document, Martin?
2: Yes, certainly, Sally. And I think the first one is probably the one to, to spend a little bit of time on, and that's the that this document provides help with identifying and managing COVID-19 risk in all types of work settings. You know, we, we tend so easily, I think, to default we almost did it, I think, with our poll, of course, earlier, to the idea that well, either the pandemic meant you worked from home, or the pandemic meant you didn't, and you had to carry on working on site because that was, you know, in your normal uh, physical workplace because you know the nature of your job required it. But actually, there's a lot more to it than that. Of course, there are um, people whose whose normal job involves working in public spaces. Uh, you know, that might be people involved with, with utilities, transportation systems, and the like. There are people whose job involves working in other people's homes, uh, and that provides obviously some particular challenges or has done uh, during the pandemic. Um, people who have to work on organization, other organizations' premises, or who are mobile and work on many different premises. So this is one area where the document has tried to provide guidance for all those different situations. Um, Looking at the other points on the slide, obviously it helps organizations think about um, where and how they can adjust uh, how work is carried out. And that can include when work is carried out, um, staggering arrival times and all those things which have been, been done to try and uh, avoid too much uh, contact between people. A strong emphasis, it won't surprise you, on consultation with workers. It's a, a strong theme throughout this whole family of standards uh, and I think there's plenty of evidence to, to support the, the uh, assertion that organisations which have consulted with workers get better um, support for and adoption of the measures which subsequently are put in place because people support things that they've had the opportunity to, to shape and contribute to in, in the main um, a clear reference and call out for well-being and psychological health obviously written at the time when 45003 was still um, being developed um, now the two work really well together um, as a support for that area and then dealing with and providing advice around the management of outbreaks, supporting contact tracing, testing, quarantine, uh, and the other points including hygiene mentioned on the slide. It's a set of guidance you can use at any point in time in the context of a management system or separate to if you happen not to have a formal management system, it can be treated as a standalone um, set of advice. And we're keeping our options open in terms of whether there is a a need through um, changes in the way the pandemic evolves for us to update this document if if new, if the scientific advice changes or or experience uh, indicates that different ways of control uh, should be considered. Um, But yes, as Sally mentioned earlier, uh, free content freely available on the ISO website as part of ISO's response uh, to help support organisations in the COVID pandemic.
1: And the uh, committee itself is also there for you. You can contact us through our website if you've got any questions, if you want any extra help, if you want any clarification, just email us. We are very happy to help. we have so much to talk about and so little time so let's quickly move on to how you can future proof your organization as we move through the pandemic into that new world of work that we were talking about before martin
2: yeah so really this is just by way of summary to be honest pulling together what we've shared with you in many ways that iso 45001 provides an overall framework and, this, and around it, we are putting in place a number of supporting standards, which you can use to help build a system that addresses all types of OHS risks uh, in, in a joined up and, and coherent way. Um, psychological health and safety and wellbeing is, is a significant long-term issue. So we're really delighted to have been able to publish and ISO to make freely available, ISO 45003 hot off the press uh, this month. I think it's always important to remember that the measures that we introduce um, in relation to the the, the pandemic may introduce other risks. That's always the case when we change risk controls is we've always to be alert for the fact that are we in solving one problem, possibly creating another. And I think that's uh, just a danger that that gets overlooked at times. And you know we really need to take the opportunities from the pandemic to enhance long-term performance. The world of work certainly will never be the same. Um, there are some opportunities for positive outcomes here, not least in terms of psychological uh, health and well-being at work. And you know, finally, I think our our, our suggestion would be: this is about building capability. The standards are there to help organizations prepare and have in place uh, the infrastructure to address the changing world of work. And, And therefore, a management system with the elements described here is one which can naturally monitor changes in the environment and adapt in that way. So that's where the future proofing really comes in. So I think, Sally, we're gonna wrap our contribution just with the contact slide.
1: Absolutely, Uh, do have a look on our website. There's lots of information on there and we do keep it updated. And there's also links in there if you'd just like to ask a question, if there's anything you feel we should be doing and we're not doing at the moment, that's the place to do it. But with that, I'm gonna hand over to Graham to talk about digital solutions. Thank
3: you, Graham. Thank you very much. Just a very quick word about intellects. Uh, Hello, everyone. New responsibilities in health and safety usually mean more complexity in your health and safety management system. This can include new activities for auditing, reporting, and analysis across multiple sites and geographies. If we've learned anything from the pandemic, it's that the ability to adapt quickly is critical to keeping pace with an unpredictable world. Organizations that embed digital thinking in their processes with digital management systems for health and safety, quality, and environment are adapting more quickly, operating more efficiently, and innovating more effectively than those with paper-based or in-house solutions. A digital management system can provide real-time data collection, reporting, and dashboards for standards in the ISO 45000 series, as well as ISO 9001 for quality management and ISO 45001 for environmental management. Next slide, please. Intelex offers a full suite of cloud-based digital solutions that can support your EHSQ management system. With applications like document control, risk management, training management, and action plans, you can ensure continuous improvement of your management system while helping your workers and your business stay safe and to thrive. And
0: now I believe it's over to questions. Well, thank you very much. Um, we appreciate this uh, fantastic and insightful presentation. Uh, before we start the Q&A, I wanna remind everyone about the evaluation survey we're asking you to complete. The survey will open in a different screen after this webinar. Your input is important because it'll help us improve our future webcast. Okay, now let's get to some questions. Uh, the first one Are there any provisions and plans to promote ISO 45004 to HR professionals to include in their performance plans and evaluations in different businesses, governments, and industries?
1: I take that one, Martin. It's uh, yes, okay. Difficult so. To know who yeah. to speak to, <laughs> yes. isn't it? Um, I think the first thing to say is we do have an active liaison relationship with the HR Management Committee in ISO, so we do have a direct line to the HR community. But absolutely, we should be promoting it to HR departments. We know that in many organizations, this area of work is done by HR rather than health and safety. And it needs to be a multi-pronged attack. It needs to be line managers, it needs to be the HR department, it needs to be health and safety professionals all working together coherently. So yes, we will do our absolute best to promote it in that community.
0: Now, you mentioned earlier about uh, ISO documents that are available for free reading and download. Um, I know you mentioned your emails. Uh, just as a reminder, what are some other resources that people can use to kind of get a um, look at those documents? And, and those are free to, uh, to download, right? Correct?
2: free to read i think uh, okay. Alan, rather than free to download and okay, we were referring yeah. specifically to uh to iso itself uh which has made the text of the documents available uh, on its website so i think that's iso i presume that's iso.org um sadly, if i'm not mistaken that's right I'm sure i'm sure mm-hmm. a, a web search will will easily find it but if if it doesn't easily find it, we're happy to help. Um, It's also, of course, worth mentioning that national standards bodies themselves uh, have choices as to what they do with the standard if the standard is adopted. If they can adopt the standard, they may therefore make it available. Um, And that may be uh, with a charge, or in some cases, it may uh, not involve a charge. Certainly in the UK, Uh, BSI, British Standards Institution, um, is making ISO 45003 available to uh, smaller organisations in a particular way to uh, alleviate the costs for them. Um, Other national standards bodies may be looking at similar arrangements. So there's always a choice. You can either go to the ISO website or go to your own national standards body, or indeed somebody else's national standards body if you wish to.
1: Yeah and it's ISO 45005 is also free to download in the UK via BSI and I believe other standards bodies have done the same. So there is a mixture of options. Um, Obviously those bigger organisations who do have the resources always have the option to pay for the standard and have the hard copy or the PDF that's downloadable anyway.
0: So our next question: What's the best way to integrate ISO forty five thousand and one when you already have ISO nine thousand and one QMS?
2: Uh, I think that maybe I'll try and take that one. Shall I? Shall I, Sally? Like. I think that's quite a, a difficult question to answer without knowledge of the context of the organization in many ways which was the thing we talked about at the top of that diagram of the of the organizational structure because different organizations may may do it slightly differently because of their individual context but i think you know there are uh, the way the standards are written allows a fairly easy comparison of where requirements are similar the question i think an organization then needs to ask is in which of those cases does it make sense and do they have the capability to bring those processes together into a a common process so you know whether you talk about we could talk about the internal auditing process for example um, it wouldn't perhaps be reasonable to say well we've got internal quality audits so we'll simply tell these people to audit safety and health uh, starting from tomorrow Um, but Equally, if you've got capability for the two, a common process joined up into um, audits which are themselves interlinked and, and address both topics is certainly perfectly possible. Management review is another area. Um, clearly, you know, risk assessment, you could potentially use a similar approach, but of course, the the, the, the nature of the risks which you're looking at are distinct, could
0: Martin, uh, is Martin frozen?
1: I believe he has, yes. Apologies for that. <laughs> I'm sure he'll
2: try sorry, to come my, back. Sorry, I seem to have lost the, the connection momentarily. I didn't know if it was I on my end
0: or your <laughs> The
2: real benefit, I think, in integration and the key thing is where you can deliver, if you like, one message to workers through one set of working procedures or instructions. Um, that's I think where the real benefit of integration comes is 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 in 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 having one system from the point of view of the person delivering the work. So I hope that's helped. It's a bit difficult to answer it if you like, devoid of of, of more specific knowledge of the context.
1: There is a question in here um, about integrated management systems. And it's worth saying that ISO does provide a handbook about integrating management systems. Again, it's available on the ISO site through the ISO shop. It's worth having a look at.
0: I know, I believe we went over some timelines here. Um, Someone is asking, is ISO 45002 available yet or is that in 2022?
1: The public consultation will start this autumn. So you should be able to read it this year um but yes publication is probably around about a year's time
0: so our next question what um what is the feasibility in implementing iso 45001 to financial services sector especially in jurisdictions where safety and health legislations are absent
2: uh perfectly possible is uh, the short answer to that question i think any uh sector of commerce or industry uh, is the standard is applicable and the principles are applicable and the need is there because workers in all those situations are all in this in in the same situation of uh, being entitled to expect their employer to um, take seriously their health safety and, and well-being um Indeed, it's exactly where standards can be so helpful, of course, is jurisdictions where there isn't a strong legislative framework. Uh, You know, I think it's increasingly the case and becoming more publicly obvious that uh, organizational health and safety is becoming a more uh, important uh, attribute of, of organizations. Um, in the eyes of, for example, the investment community, um, the, the so called ESG agenda is, is, has moved strongly, I think, now, or is beginning to show signs of moving very much to incorporate uh, consideration of, of organizations' OHS performance. So I think, irrespective of legislative drive, there are many reasons why organizations should be thinking. Irrespective of sector, about um, their approach to OHS and making sure that they're keeping pace with societal and, and public expectations in that, uh, in that regard.
0: So, our next question will ISO 45003 and 45005 be optional or compulsory for um, the uh, accreditation certificate ISO 45001 2018 in the future?
1: Um, Both 45003 and 45005 are guidance standards. Um, They're absolutely not compulsory for certification of 45001. We would hope that organisations would build in the guidance of 45003 and ideally 45005 into their management system, but they are not requirements of ISO 45001, so they're not going to be required by auditors.
0: So when considering ISO 45003, what is the role of psychology professionals? Shall I
1: take that, Martin? Okay, Sally,
0: yes, if you'd like to.
1: Um, I think there's a a misconception to a degree around this. Of course, there is a role for psychology professionals. If people have suffered from psychological ill health or are suffering, um, then you may well need psychologists to help address serious issues, serious illness. Um, ISO 45003, though, really focuses on what you can do in your organisation to stop there being risks in the first place, to engineer those risks out of your organisation. Now, we can't get rid of everything, but we can limit the damage that can be done to people by changing the way our work's organized by being aware of what causes ill health so that's why it is designed for everybody rather than for experts it is there so that you manage your workplace and your activities in such a way that it is not going to make people unwell in the first place but if somebody is unwell then we may need psychologists to help
2: And Alan, can I just return to the previous question? I think there's just something I'd like to add to make sure Sure. we haven't given inadvertently given the wrong impression. Uh, Sally, it was very clear that ISO 45003 is a guidance standard, but what we should say, and just to avoid any confusion, the reference to the need to manage workers' um, psychological health Is included in the requirements in ISO 45001. So we need to just be careful what we're saying here. What we're we're saying and what Sally was saying was you will not be, if you are a certified organization, you will not be audited against ISO 45003. The should statements in ISO 45003 are just there as guidance statements. They're not interpreted as shall statements, shouldn't be interpreted as shall statements by your auditor. However, that document is is there to provide explanation and guidance to support something which 45001 already called for, which is that organisations have to manage both the physical uh, and uh, psychological risks to workers it's just that 45,001 didn't say a lot about that other than you should do it. And 45,003 is there to help you know how you might go about it. But I wouldn't want anybody to get the impression that as a certified organization, you can ignore the issue of workers' psychological health and well-being. You absolutely can't, and your auditors should be uh, you know, testing that appropriately, but not by treating 45,003 as a requirements standard.
1: It, is, it, is, it does. Thank you, Martin. You're quite right to raise that issue. But it is also worth saying there are some unaccredited, unaccredited certification schemes um, being offered by various certification bodies. They can't be accredited because they're not requirements in 45003 and 45005. But organisations may ha- find it helpful to have an external audit against those standards and what they're putting in place. So that is an option, should you choose it.
0: All right, thank you everyone. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. I'm sorry that we didn't get to everyone's questions, but any answer questions will be forwarded to today's sponsor. Again, we also hope you take the time to share your feedback through our survey. This ends today's Safety North Health Magazine webcast. I'd like to thank Martin Cotton, Sally Swingewood, and Graham Freeman, our sponsor, Intellects, and of course, everyone who joined us today. Take care and be safe.